Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome to Buckeye Talk. It is Buckeye Futures Friday. I'm Nathan Baird. He is Stephen Means with Cleveland.com. We are talking recruiting as we always do every Friday here on BFFs. And today we're talking recruiting rankings, but not the recruiting rankings of the players, the recruiting rankings of Ohio State's assistant coaching staff. And I suppose Ryan Day should probably be thrown in here too. And there will definitely be some cause for that as you start talking about quarterbacks and stuff because Corey Dennis is obviously very new to that room. But, Stephen, uh, you came up with sort of a methodology to kind of help rank these guys. Um, we're, looking, we're looking at the 2020, 2021, 2022 classes under Ryan Day. Like how, how, who is recruiting well during the Ryan Day era? And one component I really wanted us to kind of talk about to, to help us maybe determine this is we think of these things so subjectively a lot of times you try to go find some objective data and one of those things was not just how these guys are recruiting their own room but recruiting across their room recruiting in other regions recruiting other um, positions kind of explain I guess just what what you were enlightened by as you looked into those numbers yeah, recruiting is often a collaborative effort. Not everybody on your coaching staff has a strength in it. Some people are teachers. Some people are great recruiters. Some people are both. You know, you got guys like new secondary coach Matt Barnes. He's probably more of a teacher. That's why he was promoted in that job, and he'll admit that. As I asked him today about what his role was in recruiting before he took over this job, and it wasn't that high, not not to be expected. Kerry Combs was there. But then you've got guys like, you know, Larry Johnson and Brian Hartline who – are great teachers, but also those are your closers. Those are the guys you want out there kind of recruiting everybody, not necessarily just their recruiting room. So this isn't necessarily about who's the best recruiter. It's more about who's the most valuable recruiter. And you find that information out by who they send out to go recruit other guys other than their position. So like with Brian Hartline, yes, we know he's got nine wide receiver commits and eight of them are top 100 guys right now with the other one possibly on the way. That's great. And that'll continue to be something that we'll praise him for until he, unless he stops doing it. The more important value is how many times has he helped out the cornerback room or the quarterback room or the running back room and helping somebody get it. And so that's, I think, a better metric to find out the value of a guy's recruiting efforts to a, a, a coaching staff. 
some of this is a little bit positional, right? Where you've got guys, you know, I'm thinking of Larry Johnson or Greg Studrawa who have, um, you're bringing in such a, 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 a big number of players to your room. I mean, Larry Johnson, defensive ends and defensive tackles, Greg Stradrawa, all five offensive line spots. You might only have, I mean, right now they have six scholarship running backs at one time. And that seems like a lot where you usually have, you know, two, three times that many guys, obviously in your offensive line room at any time. So how does that maybe sometimes affect how those duties are, are split up a little bit? Cause I think we'll probably, as we go into the numbers, find that, that the players uh, that coaches at certain positions overlap more you know our, our secondary guys more than others yeah I think just to keep it on this is the most we're going to talk about Heartline during this guy so I'm going to continue to use him as an example it makes sense if he's helping with the quarterback recruitment because quarterback and wide receivers so are so tied together that as a you probably want to know what your receivers are doing and what your receiver what type of talent is coming in with you so that makes sense just like Larry Johnson is from North Carolina but he really knows the DMV area the the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. So when you get Chase Young, who's from Maryland, of course you send him in there for that guy, but you would also probably send him in there to maybe help with a Travion Henderson, even though he's not in his room because that's the Virginia area. You would send him for guys like that. Corey Dennis, he kind of knows the, the, the Southwest area, so that might be his region. Tony Alford, when it comes to a guy like Sam Hart, Tony Alford's a running backs coach. He's never going to coach Sam Hart when he's here, but Sam Hart's from Colorado. That's an area that Tony Alford knows well. So you probably send him in there to be a secondary alongside Kevin Wilson with that recruitment. So I think we've even done this a couple uh, months ago, well, not a couple months ago, but recently on Buckeye Talk, we ranked all the recruitings or gave, gave grades for the, the assistant coaches. And recruiting was, I think, maybe part of that, but it wasn't, it was just a component of that was we were giving them you know, credit for having developed the room and, and various other things. So as you sat down to do this, because like you said, there was a methodology, you came up with some numbers, but was, did, where did that differentiate from where you might have just subjectively sat down and said, well, I think like just going off of anecdotally what I know, I'm, I would give this guy this grade or I'd give this guy this grade before you really scrutinize like the recruiting ranking numbers and stuff like that. Was there any disparity in there? Did it, did, were you surprised by anything you saw? I was shocked by who ended up with the second best grade of everybody, um, just because I hadn't really thought about it that, this way. And that's with Kevin Wilson. And maybe we can just start there with where his impact is. He's the co-offensive coordinator who's, for all tens of – technical room is the tight end room. He's not the tight ends coach. There's another guy, uh, Tim, Tim Hinton, I think, is coaching, I think is in there as well. He's the offensive coordinator. He helps come up with the offensive game plan. He helps Hart Ryan Day with that. But for the sake of having a room, that's the room they put him in because he has an offensive line background and so he can develop guys as blockers and whatnot. But he is often connected as a secondary with guys. He's actually got four guys that he has been a secondary on since he showed up at Ohio State, which come together and they give them an average star ranking of a 94.50, which is second, obviously, behind Brian Hartline. But I think when you think when you stop thinking of of Kevin Wilson as a tight end coach and start thinking of him as an offensive coordinator, it kind of frees him up to just kind of go into different rooms and whatnot. That 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 was a shocking one to me because if you don't think about it, you probably just throw him at the end of the at the end of the line just because he's also recruiting the Benji Gosnells and the Benedict Christians of the world who aren't necessarily highly ranked guys. I think this is important context because so often when we think about recruiting um, I, I worry um, and maybe I worry about it more than others 
that we are simply going by just what a score was. Somebody else gives somebody a ranking, and that accumulation is how we then look at how well somebody recruited. Now, it's not me saying that getting a bunch of highly recruited guys doesn't help you win. That's No idiot doesn't think that. But what I am saying is it's there's that is an unnuanced way to look at how a staff recruits. You know, uh, you asked today, Matt Barnes, about recruiting and kind of about like the, the credit he would take for – I can't remember who you were talking about. Was it Jansen, Jansen Dunn that you were asking yeah. about? And, and he kind of was like, well, okay, yeah, sure, I was involved. But he was kind of explaining how this is – it is much more collaborative, that there is sort of a team approach. And I don't think that's a way to deflect the blame off of anyone. I think it probably was a pretty candid response – as far as um, the kind of takes a village approach to this sometimes. I think if you're a position coach, you're, you do deserve the primary credit or blame if you're not bringing in talent for your room. I think you, know, you are the primary guy that has to go out and get talent at that spot. But it's not the only thing that gives you value as a recruiter on a staff. And to bring up Kevin Wilson again, he was the secondary on Desan McCullough, 2022 top 100 athlete who's going to be a linebacker here. Why is that valuable that he was a secondary there? Well, because Kevin Wilson was on the coaching staff at Miami, Ohio, when Dylan McCullough was a running back there. So there's a relationship that's – so, of course, yes, Al Washington's probably the primary because he's going to be a linebacker. But – if you already have a relationship with somebody else on the staff, it doesn't hurt to have that guy be along for the ride in this recruitment. He was also in for a guy like CJ Hicks, because that's an Ohio guy. Uh, Zach Harrison, who's not obviously in this range that we're talking about, but the whole point of the matter is it's uh, with recruiting, especially you don't know who knows who. And some of these guys, especially these more veteran coaches who have been coaching for a long time, they might have a relationship and they might have an in. Why is part of the reason Kate Stover is a tight end now? Because, Guess who was part of his recruitment back when he, he committed to Ohio State? Kevin Wilson. He went to go see him play basketball. He told this story last, last spring when Cade Stover first made the, made the switch. He said he went to go see him play basketball, and they told him not to go see him anymore because if he did, he might end up being a tight end. Well, he never went to see him again, but guess what? He still ended up being a tight end, so that does matter. It's, it's more about – it is a collaborative effort, even though you do want to give as much credit as possible when it is the position coach who gets the job done. There's an old journalism adage that says, follow the money. It's something that's attributed to coming from a uh, deep throat in all the president's men, but actually it wasn't something that he ever actually said. It was just something that was added for the movie. But when you're covering recruiting, I think it's follow the relationships, right? It's yeah. follow the, you know, where does this guy have a geographical tie? Where does this guy have a tie, a, a familial tie? Cause you start getting into guys who are second, third generation, players who have would have crossed paths with parents and uncles and brothers and everything else over the past years it's it, what you, we're talking about now I think emphasizes that more because again I think people sometimes look at the recruiting has already the relationships have often already started before a recruiting ranking is ever attached to some of these guys and I think people think that Ohio State just like gets out a a uh, the rankings and starts going down as to checking off why they will or won't recruit a guy and then go after him. And it's, it's backwards, right? I, I think it, mm -hmm. a lot of times it goes the other way. And sometimes the fact that Ohio state is recruiting a guy is why they're end up being recruited or ranked where they are. Kind of the same thing with a guy like legend Cavazos. I mean, that relationship started because urban Myron's uh, legends father have been friends for 30, 20, 20, 
25, 30 years already. But then also he went through a bunch of different guys being recruited here. But those type of relationships do matter. And you're right. They don't just go to 247 composite rankings and go, oh, Jack Sawyer is the number four player in the country. We should go get him. Now, he's probably high on their board as well. But as I think we've discussed in a, at a previous podcast, a lot of times – they have their own board, and that's how they approach certain things. And sometimes it just so happens to match up with what the actual rankings are. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back and get into more of what Steven found and how we would actually rank these guys as recruiters on this staff right now. You are listening to Buckeye Talk. We're back on Buckeye Talk. Steven has kind of already hinted. We'll start on offense, and would anybody – not say that Brian Hartline's the best recruiter on this staff right now. Would would who like before look, before we talk about this kind of secondary idea, is it even a two man race anymore as to who the best recruiter on the staff is? Because I think for a long time, I, I mean, you would have put said Kerry Combs today. Matt Barnes mm-hmm. said he thought Kerry Combs should go down in like the annals of college football as one of the best recruiters of all time. You got Larry Johnson who, if they did like a CBS drama about him, it'd be called like the closer, and he would be coming in and like pinching guys at the last second or, or like locking them down like but is Hartline do you think as the guy who covers recruiting for us is he on that other level right now is he kind of in the zone he's definitely the hottest uh, best obviously yeah that's I mean those two have some history of guys and you know you're right it'd be called the closer with the with the tagline being do you want to go to the NFL but you know Brian Hartline is clearly the hottest he hasn't missed yet you know, as Keenan Bailey pointed out, and so he, you know, clarified that he was talking about Jesus Christ. He has not, he literally hasn't missed yet. He, he's even gotten to the point where he's finding the the diamond in a rough, like a Keon Gray's uh, or Jack Smith and the Jigba, who were both that before they, uh, Jack Smith obviously ended up being a five-star guy and Keon might be on that trail. But yeah, he hasn't missed yet. So he's definitely the hottest. Um We'll see how long this run continues. It might never end just because of the way they're recruiting quarterbacks. You talk to these guys that he actually recruits and signs. Mm-hmm. Why is he so hot? Like, why does he connect? Why is he coming out of the gate? Because the other thing is here, a lot of these guys, you know, I'm thinking like Tony Alford or uh, yeah, Washington's younger, but a lot of these guys bounce around. Like, they they have mm-hmm. to climb the, the, the tree. We've talked about how unique it is that, like, uh, Corey Dennis just gets to start his career in a lot of ways at Ohio State. Not that he didn't. I mean, he had some GA stuff, too. I'm not dismissing that. But, like, I, some of these guys really have to grind and, and move up, you know, so incrementally from small, small – slightly less small, bigger school, Mac, now you're in the Big Ten. Like, it's a climb. So, Brian Hartline didn't have that on-the-job training, really. I mean, he was in the NFL, and then he's kind of here as a grad assistant, and all of a sudden you're a full-time assistant. So, why do you think he's been able to just, like, come out and just impact so strongly as a recruiter? I think it's different depending on what type of recruit you're talking about. Like, you look at a guy like Jaden Ballard. I mean, the sales pitch is, come do what I did. You're an Ohio kid who's a highly rated wide receiver who probably dreamed of playing for Ohio state and then getting to the NFL. And so that's the pitch there. And which I had talked to Jaden Ballard, that's part of it for these other guys. There is a part of it where it's, you've been there before, right? He played here. He got to the NFL and was a quality wide receiver. It's not like he was at the end of the bench getting cut. He has some thousand yard receiving seasons. And so that plays the fact that they, he's walked in their shoes matters. The way he recruits, he kind of talks about it a little bit, too. He doesn't really recruit. He just kind of talks to these guys. And he's young enough to kind of relate to him still. But then also, I mean, the proof is on the field, man. 
Chris Olave, Michigan game freshman year, uh, Garrett Wilson's whole freshman year, Jackson Smith, Nick Jigba to an extent, obviously probably would have been more in a normal season. That gets Caleb Burton here because he's from Texas. He's 15 minutes away from where Garrett Wilson was living when he moved from Columbus to Texas. They know each other well and have worked out together. So that helps when one, you can build a relationship, but then also they see it work, right? That, that plays a role as well. But then also you take a guy like Julian Fleming, who maybe he was the number one receiver in his class, but there's clearly some development that needs to happen from a technical standpoint. Brian Hartline knows that and just didn't, just didn't go, hey, you can come here and catch a lot of footballs. I know you didn't do it in high school. But you, no, we're going to develop your blocking. He used to send Brian Hartline blocking tapes. He wasn't even sending him his route. So it's a, it's, it's, it changes, and it's, it's different depending on the recruit. But what it boils down to is he's done exactly what a lot of these players want to do. You already mentioned Kevin Wilson. And so those first two guys, I think, are examples of, for like Hartline, Again, just subjectively, just if we were just sitting around talking about it, we would have said, well, obviously, Brian Hartline's probably number one on that list of who's doing the best job recruiting right now. Who's, who's, who is the most valuable recruiter? I think that's – like you said when we were talking off air, I think that's the best way to put this right now. Kevin Wilson is someone who is more like what I would have put – when I, if I'm just ranking him, like when we were ranking the uh, – I mentioned that other podcast where we ranked the, the assistant coaches. Wilson would have been more down in an air closer to like the Corey Dennis, Matt Barnes of like – I, I don't know how much. I mean, I know they've they mm-hmm. they bring in tight ends, but when you're just looking at it in a vacuum, I don't think that that. And I know that he also is involved with the offensive line because he, you can you can every time we talk to him, he's just itching to talk about the offensive line as much as he can. Like you can tell, like he's just it, it's just like man, he's fighting to to not just start talking about uh, blocking all that stuff every time. But he would have been more in like the. Eh, incomplete grade or like I don't really know yeah. what to grade him. I think it would have been tougher. But when you said your methodology showed the influence that he has. And I'm curious, like, so the next guy I wanted to bring up is Tony Alford. Because, again, when we're sitting around, he's probably someone who would have got a very middling grade if we're just just thinking out of the top of our heads. Like, oh, well, you know, obviously it's great that they got these five stars or a five-star and another top 100, and Trayvon Henderson, Evan Pryor. And we that looks like it'll probably work out, right? Like, there's all indications are – even if they're like really everybody in the world's really wrong about Trayvon Henderson somehow, you still got Evan Pryor to fall back on. So you set yourself up pretty well and, and, and whatever's coming after that. But there were also a year ago at this time, Ryan Day's words, not mine, a little bit of a crisis going on in the running back room and recruiting played a factor in that. So I think we would have all given him a pretty middling grade when you kind of broke down the numbers and took a more um, objective look at it though. How did he come out? So he's a secondary on seven guys, which is the most of any assistant coach here, which was a little shocking to me. I didn't think he'd be number one there. I thought maybe Larry Johnson would be number one because he is the closer on that list. Well, and I just really quickly, I would say that Larry Johnson probably is involved with a lot of guys, but not as a secondary. Being the closer is different than being the secondary. He's like, yeah. Really is like, you don't get credit for the win. You're Mariano Rivera. You don't, you're not Mike (laughs) Messina. You're not whoever, like Andy Pettit. Like you, you get credit for the save or the close, but you don't Mm -hmm. get credit for the win. The win goes to either the guy who was first recruiting him or maybe the guy who has to come in and bridge the the gap while the other team, while your team takes the lead, whatever. Yeah. So So mixing my analogies here on baseball opening day, but go ahead. Alford definitely is a relief pitcher who comes in maybe fourth or fifth inning of, of a game, 100%. Uh, 
Uh, obviously, yeah, the, the, the primary guys like Travion Henderson, Evan Pryors of the world, yes, that's where he stars. But also, as I mentioned earlier, Sam Hart, that's a Colorado connection. Um, he was in on Andre Turrentine's recruitment as a secondary in that situation. Lathan Ransom, another Southwest guy, he was a secondary on. Uh, Jacoby Cowan, he was a secondary on a defensive lineman. That, those are three guys I just named on the other side of the ball. And then also – I don't know. Obviously, two four seven sports has them as the primary on Jaheim Singletary. I don't. Well, I don't know how true that one is. There, my Kerry Combs did his work there, but also that's a, a little bit of a shout out to uh, uh, Randy Wade, who I know listens and is a. I think he's a Texas rapper as well. Randy Wade. That's a connection there. That Jacksonville connection. I think he knows that family pretty well. And and, and talking to a. Uh, 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 Robert E. Lee's head coach uh, for Jaheim Singletary. But yeah, that that it's. The crisis was in his own room. He, he clearly has had success helping everybody else, but at the same time forgot, hey, like, you need to clean your own room too. You got to make sure you're doing your own part there, which is why it was a little shocking when, as you mentioned, Brian Day said a little bit of a crisis. When you're not having success in your own room, um, you might want to put – it's surprising to see that you're that involved with so many other people. You might – think that they maybe pull you back a little bit to focus on your own but obviously it worked out in the end but yeah seven guys those those secondary commitments ended up being a 93.27 average star rating for those seven players he was involved with which is pretty impressive for that and, high of a number and and even as i'm just going off the top of my head as far as ranking tony alford I, when i started to kind of rank guys or look at back at these this not so much your window but like things like because if you're starting at 2020, then it looks a lot better for Tony Alford. It's really the years yeah. that were leading up to that that were, were potentially a problem. But even that, like, how much credit should you give a guy for Ryan Williams now? Because now he's turned out to look more like than maybe just a filler. Like, we don't know yet still what his impact will be just because there is so much talent in that room. But he's certainly someone that I had not given him any credit for getting in the first place. And now it looks more like, okay, you guys probably maybe – saw something there and got something right. Cause you could have got a lot of running backs that were in the forties and six hundreds, uh, I should say, actually the national ranking. And that, that looks like it's working out. So that's, this is also kind of an evolving thing. Uh, anybody else on offense that we should talk about? I, I because it, I think there's some intriguing guys on defense, Greg Strudrawa, like you said, it's really mostly just about his room. Um, it seems like they're, they're, you know, I, there's value. If he can go out and do what he does, which is you get Paris Johnson, you get, uh, Jackson you get uh Harry Miller I'm trying to think of now from the 20 starting with 2020 uh, I'm, I'm not mentioning you guys I guess from those classes but like uh, Luke Jackson Whippler. Donovan Jackson was yeah, yeah Luke Whippler. Jackson Luke Whippler so I mean those are all guys again it's like guys who rank like one or two in their position group coming out of high school so he's not as involved in other uh positions but I think there's still a lot of value that he's bringing to the staff it's value I, I think his value is right as I've mentioned before he seems to still be on this kind of pattern of it's 2019 you go get the interior five-star 2020 you get the five-star uh, tackle then which was Paris and then 2021 you got the in the uh the interior guy and Donovan Jackson who's a five-star and then in 2022 obviously they're in the running for Zach Rice number one tackle in the country and then Keontae Goodwin continues to make his ascent up the rankings to what will probably be a five-star rating at some point but I for the sake of this, it's hard to hear him great because he's not involved in anybody else. Some of that is probably because that's his recruiting mate might not be his strong point in comparison to some of these other people. But also, he's recruiting three different types of guys. He's recruiting guards, centers, and tackles. 
So you probably don't have time to also help out with anybody else. But also, this is where Ryan Day comes in. Ryan Day has played a role in a lot of these offensive linemen. Enoch Vamahi, uh, Harry Miller, uh, down the line. Like, that, that, that's where the head coach maybe helps out a little bit more with him. Greg Stradrawa's value is maybe more in, his, in the developmental side, which is why I think he had a pretty solid grade when we did this as an overall assistant coach because you did well Wyatt Davis into an All-American. Josh Myers was a Remington finalist. Paris Johnson looks awesome in the small time. We've seen him. Nicholas petit Frere was a, probably a preseason All-American or close to it coming into 2021 is what he'll be there. Munford as well. His value might not be in recruiting, but it's definitely in the developmental side, which is why it was hard to maybe give him a grade that wouldn't look like he was failing at his job. Not maybe failing, but underwhelming. Like yeah, it, that, in that comparison. It might not reflect what's actually happening as far as bringing in guys that help them win games, which yeah. I guess is my always my ultimate recruiting ranking, uh, regardless <laughs> of what the numbers are. Real quick on Corey Dennis, because it, it's, it's obviously very new for him, but he was involved with Quinn Ewers, right? And that, that definitely goes – it gives him a strong start to this for the next three years. Yeah. Um, also, he was a secondary on Denzel Burke being from Arizona. So you give him some credit for that. That's a four-star guy, a borderline uh, top 100 recruit. The Quinn Ewers one is hard. I, it's, it's, he's going to continue to be a difficult thing to grade. For the sake of the matter, though, is he did flip Quinn Ewers. That relationship does exist. Yes, Ryan Day is the quarterback guy, and he's ultimately why Kyle McCord and Quinn Ewers and C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller are all here. But if you talk to those guys – They'll tell you, Quinn, um, Corey Dennis was just as involved. When Kyle McCord was here, it was, Quinn, it was Corey Dennis walking him around. Uh, C.J. Stroud, the same thing, Corey Dennis. Uh, Dwayne Haskins used to say it all the time when, when Ryan Day had to take over for three things and be a head coach. Corey Dennis became that much more valuable to, to, to Dwayne Haskins. When uh, Justin Fields first got here and he and Mike Yersis didn't really know what they were doing yet, they both brought up Corey Dennis was, was – was so valuable in getting these guys along. And so he's ha he has value. It's just he's going to consistently have that asterisk on him of, yeah, but Ryan Day is the head coach, and that's why everybody's coming. But, yes, you do applaud him and give him credit for the fact that he got the, the quarterback who has a perfect rating. Taking another break here, we're going to come back and talk about defense as we discuss who Ohio State's most valuable recruiters are here on Buckeye Talk. All right, wrapping up things here on BFF with the defensive side of the ball as we look at our Ohio State football kind of recruiting rankings, uh, ranking the staff in some ways, grading the staff. And I think if you, you know, Larry Johnson is the one who is the, you know, the elder statesman here, the guy who's been doing it the longest. Um, clearly, as far as like just bringing in guys who you expect to be high NFL draft picks, there's never really been a drop off. Now, some of them get there faster than others. We'll see if Zach Harrison gets there. We'll see if Tyreek Smith gets there. They, they seem like they're still poised to potentially have strong falls this year and, and be the next guys that kind of continue that. You've obviously got Jack Sawyer. You've got uh, J.T. Tumalau sitting out there uncommitted, still hasn't, um, but, but could be joining this same fold. It just, it, he has always impressed me with just, I guess, that consistency. That it's and that now we're just talking about defensive ends there. We're not even talking about the defensive tackles, mm -hmm. like what he did with Tommy Tuagai, what he actually even more impressively what he did with Haskell Garrett. You could argue um, uh, Devonte Hamilton, like uh, guys like that who uh, weren't necessarily you know, uh, elite blue chip guys and and keep getting uh, developed to kind of all American level sometimes. 
Yeah, he's the one guy where I think he doesn't get enough credit on some of these sites for what he does. Because as you mentioned earlier, the closer doesn't really get credit unless he needs to get a save. So, like, But he was the secondary on a guy like Cade Stover in that recruitment. Overall, he's only been the secondary on two guys, which was an average star rating of 92.09. But you're right. You have to think about the fact that if it's a guy from the DMV area, Larry Johnson's probably had a conversation with him. If it's a five-star guy out there, Larry Johnson's probably had a conversation with him, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So but for the sake of the numbers and his exercise, he's a little lower, but also it's because a lot of his work is done in his own room. That, that's what that – I mean, you brought in Jack Sawyer in 2021, uh, 20, and you might be bringing in JT Tumalau as well. Uh, you're in the running for Walter Nolan, the number two player, the number one defensive player in the country in 2022. Uh, you've got Brendan Vernon sitting out there as an Ohio guy who's in the same vein as Zach Harrison and, and Jack Sawyer as the five-star top 10 player in the country, defensive end in your backyard. So his, I mean, they bring him in when they need him to close, but other than that, they just let him go to work on getting five-star and top 100 defensive linemen and does a hell of a job doing that. So Al Washington is the guy who has sort of jumped to the forefront as he's sort of the Brian Hartline of the defense in a way, right? Younger guy, a lot of buzz, has a big group coming in for 2022 as far as linebackers. And again, as you were mentioning, those secondary guys, I want to remind people, not that anybody just like jumps in in the middle of a podcast, but in case you don't remember from earlier, Steven's talking about the 2020, 2021, 2022 classes. So it's a narrow window. It's not this whole roster. It's, it's just those three years. But Al Washington is the one who not only is getting it done in his room, as Heartline is, um, not quite to Heartline's extent, but it's actually close. Like what he's doing for 2022 is kind of pushing that. But then also his reach is wide. He, it's, he seems to be a guy who is being used to help get guys at other spots. Yeah, he had the third highest grade overall of secondary average star rating, which was a 93-91 behind Hartline and Kevin Wilson. But he's second, he's first, which is first among defensive player, and he's second overall in secondary commits. He has six guys, and some of those guys are Travion Henderson. That I mean, the Virginia area, uh, Jack Sawyer, which I don't know how much Larry Johnson needed help with that. But the point of the matter is, he had a secondary. It's which kind of makes sense because Al Washington's also from Columbus. So why not add that on with it? Jordan Hancock, he played it. Obviously, Jalen Johnson wants to take all the credit, the 2021 recruit. He wants to take all the credit for why Jordan Hancock flipped from Clemson, but a coach did some work as well. Uh, that was Al Washington. Tegra Tishapola, he's actually the primary on Tegra Tishapola, the 2022 offensive tackle co- commit uh, that that which is which shocked me in its own right Talik Williams the 2021 defensive tackle the second defensive tackle in the class he was a secondary on and so yeah he is maybe not as crazy as Heartline yet but you're right 2022 is getting there especially if they land a guy like Sean Murphy and give that class four top 100 linebackers in one group it would be the exact same as four top 100 wide receivers, but he is the, the, the defensive version of what Brian Hartline is. is he, whether he's the best or not is a, is a different conversation, but he's clearly the hottest defensive recruiter on the staff right now. I'm going to talk about Kerry Combs. He was the guy that gets so much credit for everything he did building, you know, that, that reputation, that defensive back reputation, that, that, that pipeline of first round guys that seem to be rolling through here. He was a guy that I – it's hard to judge a little bit right now um, if you're judging just on this roster. He was here. He was gone. He was back. He had influence on guys who committed even while he was gone. There's also right now, though, at least you could say – you'd certainly say it, I think, about last season. 
and we'll see if it's true about this season, but like a bit of a dip as far as the talent that you expect across the board in the Ohio State secondary. Um, again, his absence, I think, contributed to that, and you don't hold that against him. I think there was some of the recruiting that went on while he was gone that, that contributed to that to some extent. So where do you look at Kerry Combs right now? Because it seems like ever since he came back, when you're talking about this window, 2020 and beyond, that the he kind of picked up where he left off. Yeah, as of the last 16 months, that's what we can go off of. He has three guys that he's a secondary of for a total of 92.58 average star rating. But, like, you're right. I mean, the big fish there was Jaheim Singletary in the 2022 class, the five-star corner, number four overall, number nine uh, player in the class. But then, I mean, he, oh, his value might just be in, look what happened when I left, and look what happened when I immediately came back. I left, and now there's recruiting holes, and now – Last year, the secondary was awful from a talent standpoint, and it might just it, it might just be on another year of that because it was two bad years. He came back, and I wrote this earlier this year, the five-star cornerback was immediately on the table again. Obviously, Damani Jackson ended up staying home at USC, but at one point it looked like he was going to come to Ohio State. Uh, Will Johnson took a, a self-guided visit here the same weekend that they were supposed to be playing Michigan. Uh, Denver Harris, who has been crystal ball to Texas for a while, but Ohio State has been in play there as well. Jordan Hancock to Kalen Johnson in the 2021 class. That pipeline of getting top elite cornerbacks immediately opened back up the moment he got here. And so his value is actually proven. We don't even have to go through a discussion with it. Obviously, over the last 16 months, it might not be the highest ranking by a number standpoint. But, I mean, there's no better way to find out a person's value than when you have them and then when they leave, what happens. And then what happens the moment they come back. Probably with this exercise in mind, you asked Matt Barnes today how much he was involved in recruiting before compared to how much he'll be involved going forward. And it's going to be interesting to me, the balance between him and Combs as far as recruiting. In terms of the day-to-day, the teaching and stuff like that, the, what we heard today makes me think Combs is still involved, but Barnes is the point man now. He's the one in there you know, teaching these guys how to play defensive back and something that he says he has a passion for and that he is really excited about and, and, and is enjoying going out and, and teaching every day. I would still expect Kerry Combs to be heavily involved in recruiting the secondary. And it's hard to get a grade right now on Matt Barnes simply because we don't really know uh, with, some, with, with, with a few um, exceptions, like you mentioned, Jansen Dunn and, and mm-hmm. some you know, we know who he's been involved with, but not necessarily as the primary guy. And how he does in that role will, regardless of what Combs' uh, influence is there, I think that's going to have an impact on the talent that's back there going forward. He is the Corey Dennis to Kerry Combs' Brian Day. That's just point. And that's why it's part of why I asked Josh Proctor as well, hey, how much is Kerry Combs still around in terms of instead of jumping around from room to room? He's like, yeah, he's still around most, but it's just, Matt Barnes is talking, which is probably how it goes with Ryan Day in the quarterback room. He's around, and he's going to snatch Justin up when he wants to, to go deep dive deeper into the playbook. But when you're just in the classroom, Corey Dennis is the one talking. So you're right. Yes, Jansen Dunn, you take credit for that. But it's still going to – for a, at least a couple of cycles, if guys are coming here, if the Jaheim Singletarians of the world are coming here, it's because Kerry Combs is here. But they're understanding that from a day-to-day standpoint, they'll be dealing with Matt Barnes. So read Steven's full breakdown on cleveland.com slash OSU. Be there Friday morning. He's going to go in-depth on kind of what the numbers told him over these three classes and especially how much that, that secondary influence 
has affected what kind of grade these guys get. Because when they do, when 247 does its national recruiting ranking stuff, does that secondary get in, involved in that grade or is it really just that primary grade that guys, you know, because like Brian Hartline being recruiter of the year and stuff. Yeah, no, it's typically just what they do with the position groups, which is why it's, it's, but it's a good thing that they still show you the best thing that they do is they have their profile and they show you all their commits and they show you if they're primary or secondary, but no, I think that award is typically just with the primary, which does people like Tony Alford, who at one point was, I think he was in the lead for it or Al Washington, who was in the lead for it ended up dropping the second, third or fourth because they don't, you know, add that in there. So guys from Alabama can creep up and steal that award sometimes. That's going to wrap up today's BFF. Join us next Friday. More recruiting talk. Join us Saturday morning. I think we'll be talking about what we learned from Ohio State's defensive backs and probably some other topics. That was Buckeye Talk. <laughs>